Well, a priest, a minister, and a rabbi wanted to see who was best at their job. So the assignment was to go into the woods and find a bear and attempt to convert it. And the priest began and he said, when I found the bear, I read to him from the catechism and sprinkled him with holy water and next week is his first communion. And the minister said, I found the bear by the stream and I preached God's holy word to him and the bear was so mesmerized that he let me fully submerse him in water right there. And they both looked at the rabbi who was lying on a gurney in a body cast. And he said, well, looking back, maybe I shouldn't have started with circumcision. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Are you glad you're in the house of the Lord? Not now, not after you heard that. You cannot unforget that joke. It will be in you. I bet you'll tell it when you go home. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Well, I want to I want to share something today really that was confirmed in the words that were given today. And I want to talk about one word that I believe that God wants us to hang on to for the entirety of 2023 and beyond. Really, it should be a part of your life. And uh, it's a word, uh, actually, this uh, initially was just a part of my message. But there was one word, as Brother Bill was sharing uh, his, his uh, prophetic word this morning that jumped out at me. And uh, it was the word steadfast. And the phrase that Bill said is, the the world is going to get worse. Remain steadfast. Everybody say that word, steadfast. Steadfast, amen. And so I would like you to to turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. And I want to talk about this word, steadfast. Steadfastness is a quality that is not exclusive to Christianity. Those of you that have been bosses with employees, you're thankful that somebody is steadfast, right? It's faithfulness. If you have had employees, you value the quality of faithfulness. People that show up, they're on time every day. Maybe they come a little bit early every day and they are there doing their work. You would take, you would take that person with less talent over somebody with more talent that was not steadfast. Steadfast is, is a quality of humanity that causes people to rise to the surface. It's not uh, always the most talented and the most gifted that that uh, go the furthest in life, even in a human kind of success kind of a way. But the ones that are steadfast are the ones 
that, that uh, move forward. Are you with me? Steadfastness. And steadfastness in our Christian walk is vital. It is a vital piece of your Christianity. Steadfastness. And it's all through the scriptures. In Acts chapter 2, we see that it's in the early church. And so um, Peter had just got done preaching, and they had uh, said, what must we do to be saved? Because they were under conviction, they were cut to the heart, and Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 40, it says this, With many other words, Peter testified and exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And I call out to the masses today, and not just to you here, but into the atmosphere, the same message. Be saved from this perverse generation. Amen? We are not called to transform the the worldly Uh, generation, we are called to bring people out of it and see them transformed. Amen? That's our, that's our uh, calling is to stand and preach the gospel, which I love the line in that, in that, uh, in that song that we sang, this gospel shall not fade. Hallelujah and it shall not lose its authority, and it shall not lose its power, and we shall continue to preach it in Jesus' name. And so, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's awesome, isn't it? Now, there was no... Just a side note, there was no river that ran right next to Jerusalem. Uh, John the Baptist baptized quite a few miles away from, from Jerusalem where Jesus was baptized. And so that day, the Christians took over all the mitzvah pools that were scattered all around Jerusalem. There's about 125 of them within walking distance just to the Temple Mount. They were ceremonial pools for washing. And so the, the picture here, 3,000 people make their way to the 12 disciples to these different pools. They're in line, and they're being baptized one after the other. That's how they ended the day of Pentecost. Isn't that awesome? And 3,000 came to Christ that day. What a testimony. What a beginning of the church. And then verse 42. I I can't even imagine in in a modern day kind of a context how that would shake a city. Verse 42. And they continued, and there's the word, steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And before I stood up, before I uh, heard that word from Bill, I I thought I was just going to say two sentences about the word steadfast. And then I was going to spend the rest 
of the time talking about the four original uh, disciplines that were in the church, that, that rooted the church. And those four disciplines are listed there, uh, the apostles' doctrine. It is imperative that we give ourselves to the Word of God and to the teaching of the Word of God. If you're hungry for the Word of God, you're going you're gonna to come under the teaching of the Word of God. And in 2023, I have felt impressed upon the Lord to, uh, to uh, bring forth more teaching on the Word of God, both in our Sunday services and in other formats. But it's imperative that the church become literate in what the Bible has to say. Amen? We should know what the Word says, and we should be hungry for the Word of God. If you're a new believer here, and you've just, you've just turned your heart to the Lord, uh, you probably do not know a lot yet about the Word of God. Don't you think that at a church, you should be able to learn the Word of God? Imagine that. Isn't that a novel idea? And so we are going to take it upon ourselves with an extra uh, portion of calling in 2023 to teach what the Word of God says. Praise the Lord. In breakfast tables in 2023, we're going to focus on uh, books of the Bible. The first one that we're focusing on is the book of James. And so if you can be here at nine o'clock, if you're hungry to learn the Word of God and to discuss the Word of God, um, this for the next uh, several weeks, not uh, James has five chapters, but we're not just doing one chapter a week. We're doing a portion at a time. And you can learn the book of James. On Wednesday nights right now, um, I, I started six months ago teaching the life of David from 1 Samuel. I thought it was going to be about a four to five week teaching. And I am just now uh, to the uh, uh, sixth chapter of 2 Samuel. And so on Wednesday nights, you can learn the, the book of 2 Samuel when you come. We are teaching the Word of God, and there should be a hunger and a steadfastness in the Word of God. Amen? Praise God. Uh, it goes on, and it says, fellowship. They were steadfast in fellowship. And for a while, the New Testament church met daily. They met daily in the temple courts. They went from house to house, um, and they shared meals together. The, the, the communion meal that they shared together was not just a little wafer and a, and a cup of juice. It was full meals in homes of fellowship as they opened up their homes, as they shared together fellowship with one another. Praise the Lord. I have felt a calling in 2023 to see fellowship amongst the, the body restored. Amen? Praise God. Uh, fellowship is a huge part of our Christianity, and you are more than spirit. You are also body and soul. And you know what we need? We need friendships. We need one another. And part of that was stolen from not just Faith Church, but stolen from the body during COVID as everybody was locked away and, and put, a, put aside. Some of us learned new lifestyles of individualism. But God never intended the church to be individualistic. Praise the Lord. Everybody, and everybody said, amen. God meant us to be together. And so this is why we do faith groups. Beginning in, in February, 
more than anything else, we are going to study the word. We are going to pray together. But more than anything else, we're going to be in one another's homes and we're going to fellowship. And so I've instructed all the groups that one of the most important ingredients is food. These are not days of fasting. They're days of feasting. Praise God. In the, in the breaking of bread. And this is our communion. This goes right along with fellowship. When you share a meal with somebody, it's, it's an important moment. Um, and when you share communion together, that's awesome. Not just as a body, but in, in small groups of people that we're in relationship with connected to. And then finally, prayers. And you know that my heart is to see prayer increase and grow, not just, not just uh, in prayer meetings that we have or my uh, daily prayer meetings online, but in your life personally and, and in our lives corporately. These were the original four disciplines of the church. And praise God, those original four disciplines rooted the New Testament church. But the key to all four of them was that little word, steadfast. 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 I'm not... If you haven't figured it out by now, your pastor is not a Greek scholar. And so when I look up words, I depend on those that are. And this word, this word that's used for steadfastly, it means to adhere to one. Be adherent, to be devoted, constant to one thing. To be attentive unto to give unremitting care to a thing, to continue, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and to not faint. That's good. To persevere and to not faint. That's steadfast. Steadfast. This early church was about to be tested. This day of Pentecost was not a test. They, they allowed them to be baptized. They took over the mitzvahs in the community, and they were, they were all baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and everybody was celebrating, and everybody was rejoicing, but it was not going to stay that way. The Sanhedrin was not going to be happy for very long about this new cult called the Way. Before it was called Christianity, it was called the Way. And they were not happy about it, and they were very quickly going to send people into the communities to persecute. One of the names of those that was sent to persecute was Saul, who later, praise God, became God's chosen vessel to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Oh, praise the Lord. And, and so it was not going to remain easy for this New Testament church. 
And so for a season, it was like everything was wonderful, everything was good, but that, that season did not last forever. That season ended and things got difficult. And they began to drive Christians out of Jerusalem, threatening that if they stayed, they would be killed. And so the dispersion began to happen and they began to move throughout the known world. But wherever they went, they preached the gospel of Jesus and churches were established. Praise God. It got difficult. And in that difficulty, they needed a quality that would carry them all the way through. And that quality that they needed was steadfastness. Praise God. Steadfastness. This exact same word was applied to the apostles. You remember a few chapters later in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6, when they had a problem with the distribution of food. And it was really a racial problem. The Jewish, uh, or the, the, uh, the, the Samaritans were not getting food. The, the Jewish uh, people were. And they came to the apostles and they were complaining about it. And the apostles, uh, that's, when the, that's when the office of the deacon was born into the church. When the apostles said, you know what? This is a real problem. It does need to be taken care of, but it does not need to be taken care of by us. Choose from among you seven men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and qualified who can handle this work. And then in verse 4, it says this, but we will give ourselves continually. And you know what that word continually is? It's the same word used in Acts chapter 2. It's steadfastly. We will give ourselves continually to the word of God and to prayer. And so one of the qualifications then of eldership in the body of Christ, those, those that, that whose job it is to minister the word of God and to pray, one of the, the qualities that you look for is steadfastness. Through thick and thin, these people are in. They stick. They stick. Come what may, I'm remaining. Hallelujah. The disciples, now the, the 12, they had a staying kind of a power uh, upon their lives. They had an anointing on their lives that was amazing. Even in the dispersion, when all the other Christians were, were moved out of Jerusalem, the disciples stayed for a long period of time before they started to go out on mission. They had a steadfastness about them that was not going to buckle. And they had that perspective, not just about staying in Jerusalem, but about their prayer life. It is our job to pray for the body of Christ. It is our job to minister the word to the body of Christ. And that's, that's both in group format, in, in places where they were meeting together, doing teaching and, and calling and, and uh, re revealing doctrine to people, bringing revelation from the Lord, and individually. And this is how disciples are made. I love it when people, there's several, there's several in the body specifically that will read the word and, and wonder what something means and they will shoot me questions about what they read. And I, uh, I don't always have the answer at, 
but but I I pray it through and I and I and I research it and I send the answer back. You know what? That's one of my jobs as an elder in the church to minister the word of God to individuals. And and so this is what they said. They said, "You know what? We can do this work. We can distribute the food, but if we are not steadfast to prayer and to the ministry of the word, then the church will suffer. And they knew that they had to stay steadfast to prayer. Praise God. Steadfast. And this quality in people is hard to disciple. It's hard to disciple. Somebody that has not been trained well in their upbringing and have tendencies towards laziness after they're Christians, that doesn't just go away. Do you know what I'm saying? It is very difficult to disciple somebody into this quality of steadfastness. But, and, 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 and so... You know, somebody that's not a Christian that did have a good work ethic that was taught uh, how to how to work hard and not be lazy with their time and lazy with all of those things and not e- expect things to just be given to them uh, in life when they come to Christ. Do you know what they do? They take that same steadfastness that they've always had and they apply it to their Christianity. But discipling steadfastness into somebody that didn't have it before is is not easy. It takes a work of the Holy Spirit. And I, I thank God for grace in all of that because God is able. And, and so you read the Proverbs, you read Proverbs over and over and over and over. And I don't, can't tell you how many times it says, get disciplined, my son. Get disciplined, my son. Do you know what the Proverbs is saying? Get steadfastness. Get steadfastness. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at, let's look at a, a couple of scriptures that have to do with steadfastness. One of them we sang about here in, in our worship time. Let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And verse 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his law, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This is a steadfastness towards the word of God. And the result is this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Hallelujah. That's a powerful promise. And it's a promise that's given to you that's based upon your steadfastness in the word of God. I had a friend, and he was very eccentric. And I, I think had he grown up in a different era, era, he might have been diagnosed with, with some kind of thing, you know. And he, he could, uh, he, he would say, what date were you born on? 
and he could tell you what day of the week you were born on. He had that kind of a mind. And very, very eccentric. And he had a Bible reading method that he never, ever wavered from. And with all of his eccentricities, he had steadfastness in the Word. Steadfastness in the Word. Isn't that awesome? He would go out to eat five days a week, and he would, every day for lunch, on Monday, he went to this restaurant. On Tuesday, he went to this restaurant. On Wednesday, he went to this restaurant. Thursday's the one I remember. Thursday, he went to Long John Silver's. I had never in my life been to Long John Silver's. And he invited me to go to Long John Silver's with him on a Thursday. And so I walked into the restaurant, and there he was waiting for me. And I said, Brother Rich, I said, this is my first time ever to Long John Silver's. What do you recommend me to order? And he said, well, I order this every Thursday. Well, none of that sounded very appealing to me. Should I tell the rest of the story? Do you want to hear the rest of the story? So I, I leaned over to the lady taking my order, and I said, uh, I have never eaten at Long John Silver's. What do you recommend me to order? And she leaned over, and she said, there's not a thing here I would eat. <laughs> she said, I would not recommend you order anything. <laughs> Oh, praise God. I don't know how you feel about that. Connie, you love Long John Silvers, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Don't listen to me. Listen to Connie. Oh, Dale likes it too. Okay. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I am so far off track. It does not matter what your personality is. It does not matter what kind of a person you are, what you like, what you don't like. If you will develop faithfulness, God will reward you. God will sustain you. Praise the Lord. A few years ago, my friend walked through the valley of his life. His wife suddenly died from a heart attack. And he walked through the valley of his life. And I'm going to tell you what sustained him. His steadfastness in the Word of God sustained him. Sustained him through the valley. Steadfastness. It's time that God's people everywhere quit being wishy-washy about the Word of God. Quit being wishy-washy about the things of God. And start to develop faithfulness. My pastor, when I was growing up, he preached this over and over and over. He, he would say this again and again and again. 
and it's stuck in my brain, and I can still hear, I can still see his finger pointing at the church saying it, just like he said it all those years ago. Find your place of ministry and develop faithfulness. And that's what he would say. Find your place of ministry and develop faithfulness. He's, he's breeding steadfastness into the people of God. Steadfastness. There is great reward. You're not going to be movable by the enemy. You, your roots are going to go deep. You can't move. You can't move a tree once its roots go deep. It becomes immovable. And this is what God wants to do for you. What was one of the difficulties with David? When he sinned with Bathsheba, when he uh, hardened, really he had to harden his heart towards the Lord for a whole season of time. Had her husband killed on the front line of battle. His heart, extreme in an extreme kind of way, moved away from God. And one of the things that happened to David is that he moved away from a steadfastness that he had carried his whole life. Well, how do I know that? Because let's go to Psalm chapter 51. Let's go to Psalm chapter 51, and let's read one of the verses that David prayed when he repented. When David repented, this is one of the verses that he read, and it's in verse 10. And he prays this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. A steadfast spirit. One of the sins that the Holy Spirit convicted David of that led to everything else was that he, he had forgotten steadfastness. He was no longer doing the disciplines like he was supposed to be doing. He had forgotten that, that uh, he was supposed to be going up Mount Zion to worship in the, in the tabernacle on a regular basis. His heart had kind of went through a season where it moved away from seeking God. And he had forgotten steadfastness. And so... In, in Psalm 51.10, he prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. That's important. Steadfast. A spirit in me that will follow after you daily, intentionally, Regardless of how I feel in the moment. If you're led by your feelings, you will never be steadfast. If you're led by the moment, the whim of the moment, you will never establish anything. You won't be like that tree planted by streams of living water. And in his repentance, and this, this in areas of your life, you might have to do what David did here in, in, in repentance. 
Say, God, renew in me a steadfast spirit. Steadfastness. It's powerful. 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 58, Paul is giving them lots of little quick things to do. He says this, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he'd just been talking about the hope that we, that we have in the return of Christ. And he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Steadfastness. We go... um, We go to a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. And something, Cammie mentioned that something that we made decisions for in 2022 was to put our hand to the plow. And I get, I get impatient. Maybe I should and maybe I shouldn't. Um, with, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing here with pastors that are constantly talking about burnout. When I feel like um, I'm tired or whatever, I read about Paul. And I read about what he went through. Five times he had 39 lashes. He was in a wreck on a ship, persecuted all the time, driven out of cities. Then I remember the little Brazilian pastor I met who was currently pastoring 17 churches. And he had planted already 87 churches when I met him 15 years ago. And I said, how do you do that? And he said, well, I have an assistant, and when I get up to 20, I give him 10. And I get another assistant, and I start planting more. And here I am, an American assistant pastor of a church. I preach four times a year, if that. When my pastor's on vacation. And this Brazilian man, I I towered over him physically. He was about that tall. And when I met him, he was sweeping the the front front, uh, steps off of one of the churches that he had uh, just helped uh, build and plant. He was sweeping the steps. In America, that wouldn't be happening. 
I read this thing from a pastor yesterday that said, I'm, I'm just so burnt out. Um, I have to now clean my church. And I just, I read that and I just wanted to shake him and say, you get to preach the gospel. You get to preach the gospel. People are dying right now for their faith around the world. And you're burnt out because you have to scrub toilets. We need steadfastness in the body. We need to develop faithfulness. And so in 2022, I was feeling, I was having a moment where I was feeling less equipped than, other, than some other pastors. You know, the Bible says not to do it, but we often compare ourselves with other people, right? It's just something that we Americans have, have grown up doing, and we just do it, and we look at others, and, and it's not good. It, 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 it sparks covetousness, jealousies, all kinds of things that are not good. And I was in a moment where I was comparing the the success of other pastors with me, and I was feeling very small. And in Matthew 25, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jesus gives the parable of the talents, and he gave one five talents, he gave another two, and he gave another one. And I was feeling in that moment, I was feeling like, God, you have only given me one talent. And we know the story that the one that was given five, he, he uh, goes to work and gains five more. And he comes back to the master and he said, you gave me five, here's five more. And, and the master says, well done. Uh, you've been faithful with little, I'm going to make you faithful with much. And the other one that got two talents, he goes out and he puts it to work and he, he earns two more and he comes back and he says, you've given me two. See here, I've got four now and I'm giving you four. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you've been faithful with little things. You're going to be faithful with much. But the one with one talent, the one with one talent that feels sorry for himself, Probably because he was standing in line at the handing out of the talents, wondering, why did that one get five? Why did that one get two? Why did I get one? Feeling sorry for himself, like in that moment, I was feeling sorry for myself. And in the parable, he goes out and he buries it because, you know, it's his master's talent and he doesn't want to lose it. And so he buries it. And at the end of the time, he digs it up and he says, see, I, I've not lost your talent. Here it is. And the master looks at that one and says, you wicked, lazy servant. And then he commands the others, take the one talent from him and give it to the one that now has ten. I'm not going to waste my talent on that one. And so I'm feeling sorry for myself. 
And the conviction of the Holy Spirit came all over me. And I said, God, I, I repent for the way that I've been thinking. I feel like I've only got one talent here. And I made a promise to the Lord. I said, God, I'm going to take my one talent. And I am going to do everything that I can possibly do with this one talent that you've given me. You see, others might be more gifted. I've had people say, well, why did you plant the church in Petersburg like that? And I freely admit, there are people with more know-how. There are people with more wisdom. But you know what? Those people aren't there doing it. And if we wait till somebody better equipped can come along and do the job, guess what won't happen? It will not get done. And so I told the Lord, God, you've given me one talent, and that's okay. You're the master of the harvest. And I am going to run with this one talent. And I am going to be steadfast with this one talent. And I am going to put this one talent to work as much as I can. And I'm going to take the strengths that you've given me. And that's a mistake people make. They, they constantly look on their weaknesses and say, oh, I can't do it. I've got all these weaknesses. But, friend, you have strengths. And God wants you to work on your weaknesses, but he wants you to run with your strengths. He wants you to build with your strengths. There's reasons he gave those strengths to you. Not so they, they, they could sit on the shelf while, while, you, while you work on your weaknesses. He wants you to put to, put to use the, the talent that he's given to you for the kingdom of God. And develop steadfastness with what you have. Hallelujah. This is true for my life. It's true for your life. And it's true for our family right here. This is the, the family of God. This is faith church. This is who we are. And we have right now every talent we need to get to the next place that God wants us to be. I don't care if we bring more chairs in the sanctuary or not. I want him to look at this church and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little things. I'm going to entrust you with more. That's what God's looking for. And it's this quality of steadfastness. 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 God, I want to be faithful and steadfast. Praise God.
turtle was mugged by two snails. And when the police got there and asked the turtle about it, he said, I don't know. It all happened so fast. Praise God. Steadfastness. Problems are going to come and problems are going to go. In this world, you will have trouble. But God is looking for somebody that will remain steadfast. God is looking for somebody that like David, when they've abandoned steadfastness, will come back. Restore it to me, God. Make me more like Jesus. Jesus was faithful in all of God's house. A great high priest for you and for me. And he is looking for a people that will be steadfast. Some of your marriages, amazing. We got some 50-year marriages in this room. That takes steadfastness. You don't look at your partner and say, oh, you're perfect. No, it's steadfastness. We'll celebrate number 30 this year. And that takes steadfastness. In relationship. And what I'd like us to do this morning in these last 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of altar time is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip up to the keyboard. I'm going to open the altars. You can be free in this place to stay where you're seated or if you feel the need to just present yourself at the altar. Some, some people might need to repent and say, God, I've not been steadfast to your word. I've not been steadfast to, to the body. I'm, uh, you know, as far as church attendance goes, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're here. But the, the disciplines maybe that God would, would convict you about. And to join with David in Psalm 51.10 and say, Restore unto me a steadfast spirit. Others of you, you might not feel conviction about any specific thing, but you simply want to present yourself to the Lord and say, God, I want to be a steadfast vessel. I want to be faithful with the things that you've given me. Whether it's one talent or five or ten or whatever God has given to you, I want to be steadfast. And I want to give you an opportunity in these next 10 minutes to respond to the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We ask God that you would receive, you would receive our sacrifice.
We, Lord, want to be steadfast. 